Welcome in once again to episode four of Taking Heat here um, on a third on a Wednesday night. We typically record these on Thursday, but I'm actually getting my wisdom teeth taken out on Thursday, so this upload may be coming up a little bit later uh, than we normally would like it, and it's on Wednesday instead of Thursday. But nevertheless, we are back talking about another topic this week. Last week's winner, Cameron Woolwine, has chosen the most influential position in all of football. Whether it's professionals, college, high school, little league, it doesn't matter. What position do we think can influence a football player's journey as they get to the highest stage? That is, of course, the National Football League. As always, if you like what you see, hit like in the video, subscribe to the channel, comment, all that good stuff. All the self-promo stuff that you guys get tired of hearing. We'll move ahead. go ahead and move on to... Um, Introductions. Of course, my name is Blake Holmes and joined tonight by our last week winner, Cameron Woolwine, Jacob Underwood, and Logan Porter. How are y'all doing tonight? Y'all ready to talk about some football, which is, you know, we haven't had a, the only topic, we had top 10 NBA players, but other than that, this is the first time we've focused on one sport. So how are y'all feeling about that? I think uh, it's interesting. I, I per me personally, I kind of, I like having wide variety. Um, but kind of, you have a lot more opportunity to kind of nitpick little things when you're focused specifically on one uh, entity. And today's entity is football. So I think we all have experience around it and we'll be able to travel around and be able to talk about our different perspectives. I will say this topic yeah, is, yeah. is I will say this topic is interesting Sorry. too because it's oh. yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say this topic is a little interesting too though because it, it it's not yeah it, it seems very narrow but at the same time there is a good amount of uh, th there's a di there's different ways you can go with it and I also like this because it's not so focused on a statistical standpoint it's not so focused on uh, just professionals it's it's focused on a more general aspect and some parts that may not show in the stat sheet or on the field. So I, I think this is a, a good one to talk about. Now, Underwood, uh, what would you say? Yeah, definitely agree. With the NFL training camp coming up at the end of this month for a lot of teams, um, it's, I mean, I like personally, typically around this time, I'm super excited for the NFL, but where I've taken the, the varsity girls job at Christiansburg, I haven't had a whole lot of time to really think about football. Um, but if it, if it today, yeah, it's July 13th, so we're one month away from the first Carolina Panther preseason game. So that's extremely exciting news. Um, so it is fitting to go ahead and talk about some football because I know myself and I'm planning to go to the training camp. So pretty soon I'll be all about the Carolina Panthers again. Um, so I don't know. It's just exciting. Like I said, basketball and football are probably my two favorite sports. Um, I coach basketball, but I would probably say I'm a Carolina Panther fan more than any other thing in the entire world. So exciting. That is correct, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare your Twitter accounts for not only Jacob Underwood as a Carolina Panthers fan, but myself <laughs> as a Steelers fan. Uh, we show no mercy on Twitter with, because you're going to have to mute us to get rid of us. Um, Cam, any comments you'd like to make? Uh, no, I agree about that part. Us Steelers fans, we really do be uh, getting ruthless on Twitter sometimes. But uh, <laughs> no, I chose this topic just because it really shows how we – see the game of football i think it i chose it because it's obviously very specific to a single sport but i think it's just going to really bring out like how we see the football field differently and how we see the game differently i think because obviously we're going to talk about what we think impacts football the most so i'm I'm just excited for it i think it's going to be a good good podcast 
as he just stated. Once again, hoping to have a good show here. If you like what you see, do all the self-promo stuff. Let, recommend it to your friends. Um, let me know what, what other platforms you'd like to see. Again, I keep saying it, and I swear it's going to happen eventually with, with <laughs> everything going on this week. We will be looking to move it to different platforms, obviously, with this appointment I've got coming up and things like that. It's been a little little hectic, but we will work on that. Let me know in the comments where you want to see us next. So. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. I have my wheel on the right side of the screen, as everyone can see here. I have went ahead and spun it, and the first person will actually be myself for this week. So I will be presenting the first position that I think is the most influential. Um, and I want to go ahead and preface this before I start by saying the same thing that we all said off the air. If we were judging this strictly based off of the professional and uh, and from an from an on field standpoint, the most influential position it's obviously going to be a quarterback, just because a quarterback is one you hear teams rave about them all the time. You really only have one. Um, it's the, really the only position in football outside of special teams where you have one guy who is expected to do every piece of that position. Because in running backs, you have backup running backs, you have blocking running backs as as opposed to agile running backs with plenty of receivers multiple tight ends, you know, and on the defensive side, there's plenty of them too. So quarterback, I would say is the general answer, especially when you're talking about NFL. But I am here to say that I think, and this is one that I could see someone else having, but I'm going to go ahead and say it here. I think that the motto, one of the biggest mantras in sports is defense wins championships. We've all heard that before. We've heard it plenty of times. And when it comes down to it, it's, it's one of the main reasons that some of the greatest offensive teams in NFL history or any sport history, a lot of sports history, have not won a championship. I think I was actually talking about it a little bit off the air. You think back and you talk about uh, the killer bees with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have Big Ben. They have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster comes in towards the end. I mean, there, there were a lot of weapons on that team. But they can never, and, and the offensive line was also a top five unit in the league. They can never get over the hump. They can never even get to a Super Bowl. And part of the reason why was because when it came to the postseason and defenses defenses stiffened up, it became, it, it wasn't as easy for them to find the end zone as it was in the regular season. So defense and those scenarios, and also when you're talking about from a uh, from an infl from just a general standpoint, I think the defense is a huge deal, and that's why I am here to say the most influential position to me on the defensive end is. If I'm going to get specific, I'll go ahead and say middle linebacker, but realistically, a linebacker. Um, I say that because the linebacker, for most occasions, and there are some some situations where different players and different positions have taken this role over, but for the most part. The, the outside linebacker is typically called the quarterback of the defense. They're always, they got to make sure that the line's where they need to be, the secondary is where they need to be. They're calling out audibles, they're calling out holes in the defense. And I'm going to bring up a player that I know Underwood's going to love. And this is the reason why I picked this position. Luke Keegley is the prime example of someone who can influence football outside of just his positional duties. Luke Keekley was very much, he was a freak uh, on, in, multiple, in multiple ways. He was an athletic freak, but he was also one that he religiously studied film. So he knew exactly what was going to happen, where a play was going to go, what cadence meant what. There are countless interviews where 
uh, a running back or an offensive lineman are talking and they're saying, yeah, he was literally calling out our plays as they were being called out by the quarterback. So we had no idea what to do. Um, and it's one of those things on the defensive side of the ball, not every position has that same level of impact. Not everyone has the ability to impact a game in that way. Uh, I, another one that came to mind, obviously, you know, I didn't want to say quarterback. I, my, my mind went to someone like a safety because safety, they're they're ball hawking. They're always they got to make sure nothing gets past them in the secondary. But I think that on the defensive side, the linebackers have to do. They have a responsibility for everything. They ha- they can drop back into pass coverage. They can blitz the quarterback. They can you know, they have to contain the run up the middle. And again, while also having the knowledge and the foresight to be able to call out exactly what plays are going to happen, where it's going to go and get the defense ready to be prepared for that. So from a physical standpoint, they have to do everything. There's not a spot in the defense that linebackers are not expected to have to do at least a little bit. Um, They're a do-it-all type of position. And when it comes to from a mental standpoint, they have to be able to figure out where and what the offense is going to do and where they're going to go. Before at the same time the offense does because the minute a mental mistake happens, big play happens down the sideline, goes up the middle. He tells a he you know, he ends up taking a biting on a on a curl route. It's a stop and go, and next thing you know, it's six for the offense. Um, I think that that speaks volumes. That's something that a linebacker has to continuously keep an eye out for. And the best of the best when it comes to linebackers. I would argue outside of maybe you know, cor- some corners who are star players have big names. Linebacker is the most other than, and I, I would kind of include edge rushers because they're more so left outside linebackers and things like that. Linebackers and edges, I think is the most influential football position in football um, from a defensive standpoint, because defense contributes more to championships typically than offense does. And they are known as the quarterback of the defense, and one of the main reasons that a defense can a defensive unit can succeed. So, are you good? All right. Well, I was going to say I will, I'll agree with you on the fact that middle linebackers are very important, as you said, they are the quarterback of the defense. But I feel like you cannot put like outside linebackers in the same category as middle linebackers. I just feel like it's two completely different positions. So I, I just kind of feel like. In, for me, it weakens your argument that, like, yes, middle linebackers are important, but I feel like when you broaden it to just linebackers instead of middle linebackers, yes, but if you're just saying middle linebacker, that's where I have to have, like, a disagreeance, I think. So the reason I say that is because, really, and it's hard because, especially in the day of modern football, a middle linebacker doesn't just play middle linebacker, so that they they'll shift to outside linebacker. They'll shift being on the line, and it's one of those things to where I think of someone like Luke Kuechly or even you know uh, T.J. Watt's an edge rusher, but he can play some linebacker, and 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 you know, a lot of different players can kind of shift depending on the formation, the scheme their defense is running. Um, so I, yeah, I, I do think when you're talking about from a mental standpoint and from what they bring outside of just being of, of performance on the field. It does have to be limited to middle linebacker because they're typically the ones that are calling out the plays for the defense. But the reason I said that was more so because a lot of times the best middle linebackers, or the best players in that position will still shift over to another position as they are needed. I think I, I got to agree. I got to agree with that because 
you know, making the whole category wide of just linebackers in general, um, when you narrow it down to middle linebacker, I think that's kind of a constant decision all the way through progression from from playing in youth leagues all the way up. Your middle linebacker is your guy that you, you kind of want to be in charge of the defense. You know, um, when I played football, uh, our middle linebacker was the guy that would decide where we would be going on defensive uh, straights uh, where I played on the line. If I was going to go into a or B gap, um, that was a decision made by our middle linebackers. And that progresses as it goes forward. And the knowledge that you gain as being a leader of the defense, I think that's a good choice of just sticking to that middle side. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like I said, I think that being able to, and, and the other thing too, is it also teaches players and, and again I was talking about this I wanted to bring in a side of the argument not just on the field and not just a statistical standpoint and things like that when you're a middle linebacker and you are entrusted with that level of responsibility um, and in most cases you find yourself and, and it depends on the situation of course it depends, it depends on the individual but a lot of times that can influence players to take those responsibilities and work a little bit harder. They can focus a little bit more in the film room. They can take every opportunity to improve their game. And it's one of those things, again, it's very similar to quarterback on the offensive side for me, the middle linebacker. If you're not, yeah, if, if you're not uh, a secondary member who's just quick and trying to stay and is, is really good at staying with their player, I think that middle linebacker to me, from the mental aspect, is one of the most important positions in all the football, not just on defense. Underway, did you have any remarks? So to actually, any? Yeah, I actually like the inclusion of just the term linebacker um, because when you brought up Luke Keekley, Luke Keekley, when he won Defensive Rookie of the Year, was not the middle linebacker on the Panthers' defense. Uh, he was actually an off-ball linebacker because at that point, John Beeson um, was the middle linebacker, and Luke Keekley broke all the records for you know tackles and um, – in my mind, he's the greatest linebacker ever, but that's another topic, another debate. Um, so I actually like the inclusion of linebacker. And I know what Cam's saying. Cam's thinking that T.J. Watt's listed as an outside linebacker, but T.J. Watt is not an outside linebacker. I don't care what – T.J. Watt is an edge rusher, okay? There's a difference between someone who's an outside linebacker like a Shaq Thompson and then there's an outside linebacker like T.J. Watt or uh, Vaughn Miller who's – I mean, they may drop in coverage once out of every 30 snaps, right, but they're there to rush the quarterback. Um, so I actually like the inclusion of, of linebackers because the way you the way you talked about it, right? It's not always. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's a middle linebacker because they wear the helmet with the green dot. They get to play calls, um, but sometimes it's the off ball linebacker too that you know is is in there with the calls and the checks and things like that. Um, this past season with the Panthers, Shaq Thompson, off ball linebacker, um, Jermaine Carter was the mic, so he played the middle linebacker, but Shaq Thompson made all the calls. Um, so I mean, it, it's just. I actually kind of disagree with what everybody just said because I think that linebacker in general, if you're speaking about a certain positional group, um, matters a little bit more than just saying all linebackers. And I know you're trying to exclude the edge rushers that are listed as outside linebackers. But personally, like I said, in my mind, T.J. Watt and Shaq Thompson are not the same player. Um, T.J. Watt and you know Alex Highsmith, they're kind of the same player. But when you come in to think about it with – I'm trying to think of other teams that have um, other linebackers that are considered middle linebackers that are good as well. Um, but Jordan Brooks, think about it this year. So Bobby Wagner and jo Jordan Brooks, right? Jordan Brooks is technically not a middle linebacker. But if you go look at all the stats, I'm sure Jordan Brooks was up there top 10 maybe in tackles for the for the year. So um, I actually liked your argument. I like that you said all linebackers. Um, I just like the positional grouping terminology. 
and I will go ahead and say too, it's this, and I, I was trying to, and I think the same way because it makes no sense to me whenever we're talking about draft positions. You, you go and you look at Mel Kuyper, uh, Todd McShay, all the draft experts talking, and you don't hear players like TJ Watt be mentioned as an outside linebacker. You mention them as an edge rusher. And I think that because there's not, you know, edge rusher is kind of a vague term here and there. I look at them more so, yes, they, they are linebackers, but it's the same way you said uh, TJ Watt, Vaughn Miller, Miles Garrett also fits in that category, people like that, where their main focus is get to the quarterback. That's their main thing. Whereas with linebackers, the the ones that I'm referring to, I should say, have a much more have a much bigger focus. They they don't they can't just key in on one thing. And I think obviously that's what makes players like TJ Watt and Miles Garrett so great is that they they do their 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 job their specific job very very well. That that's the main thing. But if you put TJ Watt or Miles Garrett into coverage 50% of the time, it's not going to be the display that a lot of people think it should be because of how good they are at getting to the quarterback. So I like, again, I do agree with you in the sense that linebackers as a whole, and that's what the reason I say, like, if I had to pick one, I would say middle linebacker just because middle linebacker is typically the one that is known for this, for that type mental aspect. But you know, linebacker as a whole, I think, especially on the defensive end, you, to my, in my mind, the most influential position. Yeah, I think it would be hard to pick, like, like, I mean, with linebackers, you have a few more, like, term. I mean, you have, like, a Mike linebacker, Sam linebacker, Will backer. But, I mean, when you talk about cornerback, right, if we pick cornerback as the most important group, do we have to pick left cornerback or slot corner? Slot cornerback, um, yes. So I think that, it, yeah, exactly. Is it is it tough to, it's kind of tough to me for to think about it, like, because middle linebacker is really the only one on defense. I mean, there's two defensive tackles typically. So do you have to say left defensive tackle? Uh, that's why I just like the terminology, including linebacker. I mean, we all know middle linebacker does the most, is, like you said, the quarterback of the defense. But there are some off-ball linebackers that are just as important as the middle linebacker. So It also depends on scheme as well. So that's yeah. that's my argument. Um, yeah. I, again, so my argument at first is going to be linebacker. Up next, went ahead and spun the wheel, as you can see on the screen, and it will be Underwood who is going next. Sweet. All right, so this is probably kind of a, a, a cop-out of things. Um, but if we're talking specifically like different levels of football, um, I think the answer changes depending upon what it is. And I know this goes away from the topic a little bit, right? But I was thinking about this, and you've got to think, every single athlete, or for the most part, if you have a great quarterback, um, most of the great quarterbacks that move on to play in college were either a quarterback or a running back, right? Um, you think about some of the, the greatest linebackers. It seems like every single one of these linebackers were a running back in high school when they played Ironman football, or they played on both sides of the ball. Um, so I'm actually going to say, and we live in an area where we don't see a ton of spread offense, um, so we don't see a whole lot of you know five wide receiver sets, and we have not a lot a lot of empty backfields, a lot of our stuff's under centers. I'm not specifically talking about just in like Southwest Virginia. Um, but I'm going to say for high school, I think running back is the most important position um, just because, I mean, if you have a great running back, we, we've seen all the, the videos. Tavon Austin, when he went to West Virginia, he started as a running back. Um, I mean, there's a classic game that, I mean, I, I know about it. I assume other people do where West Virginia is down three running backs. They have to move Tavon Austin to, to wide receiver. And he's able to or move him from wide receiver to running back, and he's able to succeed. He ran for like 200-plus yards, had like five touchdowns against Oklahoma. Um, and he was able to do that because he um, had the background of running back. 
So for high school, I'm going to say running back. In college, I mean, I think like we all talked about, the quarterback is very important. I mean, unless you're like a quarterback factory, it seems like Alabama has these these system quarterbacks that may or may not do well in the NFL. Um, but I'm going to tie in college and the NFL and say edge rusher is the most important. Um, so I've got some stats that I looked up here. And it says that um, – so reading from – a website says, according to Football Outsiders, slightly more than 70% of first down series converted for a first down or a touchdown, and this was in 2016. Um, however, just one out of every six offensive drives, which equals out to be 16%, in which the quarterback was sacked, eventually got another set of downs, making it easy um, to see how much of a momentum killer it is. Um, and then it has some more stats that says a uh, sack saves a team 1.75 times that a defender gets to the quarterback. Um, and then, you know, you can't really – take into consideration all of the, the, the pressure that a good edge rusher can bring. Um, right. But I mean, a lot of things that aren't on the stat sheet. So if you have, I'm just trying to think of like the ones we haven't talked about, we'll talk about with um, the, some of the top defenses in the NFL this past season. So I'm sure if you were to look up statistically the top defenses in the NFL, I would assume that probably the majority of the top 10 have a set edge rusher where you can think, yes, they are elite. Um, so if you're looking, I mean, you got New Orleans listed in there. You assume Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport's legit as well. Um, Chicago, you had Khalil Mack. Cleveland, you have Miles Garrett. San Francisco, Bosa. Carolina was second. You've got Brian Burns. Buffalo was kind of interesting. They're listed number one in total defense. So because, and they didn't have a you know a set monster edge rusher, but they had production from the, the edge rusher position um, throughout the entire year. Um, so I guess my argument is just that if it – I'm trying to stay away from quarterback because we all know that that's, that is it. But if we have to pick another position – um, you look at the contracts that are being signed by these these edge rushers, and they're typically you know top five NFL draft pick. Um, I would say that they dominate the game more than anything. If you're on defense and you can get to the quarterback and you can get consistent pressure, um, I mean, you're you're probably going to win the football game. You're going to cause turnovers. Quarterbacks hate pressure up the middle. Um, Tom Brady, you know, he's the whole tuck rule. He hates getting hit, right? But whenever teams beat Tom Brady, we see them have the ability to get to him. Right, if he's in the pocket, he's untouchable. Um, but if an edge rusher can, you know, get to these great quarterbacks, they force turnovers. They give their team the best chance to win the football game. So that's my argument. Running back in high school, and then I'm going to flip it over and say that running back in high school is just probably the most athletic guy on the team, and they give the best, or give him the football. Excuse me, and he runs for a million yards. And as you get into college and you get into the NFL, I think the edge rushers kind of start to dominate and separate themselves. So I, I want to go ahead and say two things that I've been hanging on to. Not in this is just because these are interesting things. Uh, first and foremost, you're saying uh, running back in high school. And again, uh, if, if anybody out there has not enlightened themselves, I'm actually going to, this is unintentionally another West Virginia guy. If you have not done yourself the pleasure to go watch Noel Devine's high school running back tape, it is uh, absolutely absurd. Hmm. Um, the, the the ability that he showed in high school and didn't quite translate, but she, I mean, I think he, he was better than some people were giving him credit, but at the same time, didn't quite translate to that godly level like everyone was expecting back in the day um, in college. But Noel Devine was unbelievable in, in high school, one of my favorite high school tapes to go back and watch. And I do agree, it's one of those situations to where a co- uh, you know the the especially in, in college these days back back a little while ago quarterbacks there were a lot more pocket passers there were traditional style quarterbacks but even then you go back to the days of Dennis Dixon at Oregon um, and I'm not going to go all the way back yeah you think of Vince Young Dennis Dixon I'm not going all the way back like in the 90s things like that because like I said you have a lot of pocket passers um, 
at that time. But those types of quarterbacks have been around. Then you get to uh, in the 2000s with RG3, Johnny Manziel, people like that, where they their main uh, – the thing that's crazy is even at a college level, their main attribute was their legs, and it kept the defense honest. It's the same reason – now, I think Lamar Jackson has broken some of those stereotypes already, but that's that's the main reason everyone was so concerned about Lamar Jackson was the throws he made in college, well – a lot of people could make uh, – or a lot of – I shouldn't say a lot of people. A lot of college quarterbacks could make some of the throws that he had to make in college because he was so dangerous with his legs that teams were terrified to you know, to play too far off the line of scrimmage because he would burn them, and he still burnt them either way. But I do agree a lot of times running back is important because it's just an unbelievable – it's a freak athlete who is making these plays. Also, an interesting thing, just a – fact that's that's strange buffalo being number one in total defense is shocking because realistically they did have uh they have uh tremaine edmonds at the linebacker position and they actually lost her davius white this past year too so for them to be able to stay at the top in total defense is actually really shocking considering tredavious white is a fringe i, I mean i don't know how much of hot take when he was when he was at his peak anyways, was a fringe top 10 corner in the league. So for them to lose him out and still stay at top at the number one and just got Vaughn Miller in the offseason, Bill's going to be scary. Looking at the marks he's been up for the entire year, they were at 4,600. Carolina was second at 5,200. I know your mic's cutting out real bad. You're good now. All right. So, restart. Yeah, and the thing with, the, with Buffalo being there, like, they have, for total yards, they gave up 46, 4,637 for the entire year. And Carolina, like I mentioned, were second. They gave up 5,201. Um, so they were number one by a considerable margin. Um, points per game, they were at 17. Rush yards, they were – I mean, they were middle of the pack rush yards-wise. They gave up about 110 per game. Pass yards, 163 per game, which is insane. Um, but the thing I forgot to mention in my initial argument that I think proves a good point, too, that I was mentioning, like the, the, the pressure factor as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, so the play – the next passing play right after a sack in the NFL, the passer rating of a quarterback drops down to 78.1 on average, um, which is terrible. <laughs> so this just proves the whole psychological factor of you've got these freaks of nature that are rushing you as a, as a passer. You may have three seconds at the absolute most. Most times it's less time than that to get rid of the football. And they get you one time, and then you're constantly worried about the internal clock that all the announcers always talk about with quarterbacks is the internal clock starts to tick, right? Then you're like, oh, I got to get rid of the football. And maybe the, the edge rusher doesn't get to you on that play, right? But he speeds up the process, and maybe the quarterback has to make an ill-advised throw. And then you get a pick, and that stat, stat may be on the stat sheet goes to the corner for getting the pick, right, or the safety or whoever picked it off. Um, but it's probably attributed more to the, the, the defensive end or the edge rusher getting to the quarterback or at least giving the illusion that he's going to be rushing the quarterback. And that gives uh, this also obviously that gives them a staff quarterback hurry. And when you're talking about, I, I like what you mentioned about Tom Brady because the, it's been said for years: if you can get Tom Brady in the pocket, you're going to be able to win the football game. And it's just that nobody seems to be able to do that. That's why he's been 
as great as he has been over the years. But that's also when the term happy feet comes in because if a, a quarterback keeps getting hit over and over and over, and that's actually been one of the main complaints that people have had about Russell Wilson in the past is Russell Wilson, we all know him. He's an improviser. He's a magician. He's He makes plays happen that we say, how in the world? What what just happened? But a lot of times, what if you go back and watch those plays, now, and in some of those cases, like the one I think of is um, the, the throw against Arizona he had a few years ago where he just throws it up for Doug Baldwin, hoping for the best, and he comes down with it after outrunning two different Cardinal defenders. But a lot of times, these mystical plays that Russell Wilson makes – it makes no sense for him to be out of the pocket or for him to be away. He's stepping away from a clean pocket, but it's because he's been hit so many times. It's because the offensive line has faltered or in some cases because the edge rusher has gotten to him several times that he has to, he thinks he has, uh, he thinks he has less time than he actually has. And I like how you mentioned as well. It's also not always about the sack. It's about even if you hit him right as he's throwing it, sometimes that can influence a ball being thrown uh, poorly. It can set you, it can set you up again where he feels again, he has less time. He has to make a rash decision. So I do like the argument and I think that it makes a lot of sense considering again, the the players that are consistently being thrown in defensive player of the year conversations right now outside of Aaron Donald are typically TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Those two are the ones that you hear the most. Um, and, and of course, some other players as well, but edge rushers dominating the NFL right now. And it's, there's a reason it always goes top five pick, if not number one, Logan, Cam, any, any comments? I was actually going to bring up this draft, actually, because this draft was, I mean, it, especially towards the beginning, you had a great selection of edge rushers to choose from. Uh, it, I mean, starting from the beginning. So I was surprised that wasn't brought up earlier, but I, it definitely shows the dominance that it has right now on the current state of play. Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson going number one and two, respectively. Cam, anything else? I was going to say that uh, I completely agree with this. It was actually my uh, second choice of position, so props to Underwood for that. But I agree, uh, excuse me, I agree 100% that uh, edge rusher is such a, it's just a massive position. The impact that they have on the field with obviously TJ Watt, one of my favorite players, the impact he makes just alone, probably won Pittsburgh two or three games just by himself this past season. So the impact that edge rushers have is, Almost unmatched. Underwood, any other comments? Uh, any kind of closing arguments? Um, no, not really. Like I said, I just feel like that the, the the great defenses all have edge rushers, and the reason that these edge rushers are going like top in the the top ten, top five in the NFL draft is it's just like with rookie quarterbacks, right? You want to get them on that rookie deal because edge rushers are so important to teams. They're getting paid ridiculous, record breaking contracts, right? Um, so that's why they're going so high in the draft. You want to get them for that four years and then the fifth year with the team option. Um, so that that's – I mean, it's really just you're going to draft a quarterback or you're going to draft an edge rusher. I mean, there's the occasional great offensive lineman that, that goes in the top five, right? But most of the time every year it's, is the quarterback going number one? Okay, if they're not going number one, who's the best edge rusher because we're going to take them. Yeah, and those are – I mean, if you go back and you think – the last time there really isn't a situation to where any other positional group has taken number one. Um, and of course, if I put myself on the spot, I can't really remember everything, you know, every draft, but like the, the first one that comes to my mind that wasn't um, a quarterback or an edge rusher, you have to go back a while. I mean, the notable ones, I think of like Eric Fisher, 
back in the day for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, running backs haven't been taken since like the mid 1990s um, and things like that. Uh, I mean, it, it's such a rare commodity to see anything other than those two positional groups being taken number one. And I do agree, it's, they're trying to get them when they're le- they're 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 least expensive and trying to give them that chance to gel in an, a defense early. Spinning the wheel for the next person. Logan, you'll be happy to know it's not weighted. You are going not last this time. It is you. It is Logan as it lands on here. The curse uh, so, has been broken. So it will be your your go. All right. So I think we've all been avoiding what the question was. This is the most important position throughout the entirety of our career. All right. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, there's only one position that could possibly take that spot. And that is a place kicker. No. Oh, all right. In all seriousness, no. I'm talking about safeties, okay? Now, that statement I said previously, that was just a buildup. So, we're going to move on. You got me. I was hyped up. No, I was I'm ready. not. Listen, I want to go ahead and make this. I want to make this comment known. I actually considered using kickers because of how intense <laughs> and how. I, I, I want to go ahead and make this side tangent real quick. Kickers have the most unfair job in football to me because it's one of those things you have so few opportunities in a game. If a quarterback misses a throw here and there, it's not the end of the world. If a defensive player misses a tackle here and there, it's not the end of the world. Sure, it depends on the magnitude of the moment. It's If a kicker misses a kick, you're going to be flamed for it, no matter how how long it was, what the conditions were. They have the hardest job in football. So uh, you had me because I actually considered them, but continue with your, with your actual argument. I will say the argument for for kickers is that if, if this if this today's question was what is one of the most specialized positions in any sport, I would one hundred percent say kickers because it you know you're only on the field a few times you know if you're lucky um, if 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 you're on the field a lot as a kicker then you, you know maybe try to find a different team but. Um, it's it's a very it's a very specialized position. I mean, not everyone can do it. And you were talking about uh, getting flamed, especially on on Twitter for missing kicks. But like, um, it, it's interesting to see uh, people actually try to kick field goals or or try to punt a football. I I I was notorious in high school for when I tried to punt a football, it would go backwards, um, and we would lose yards. So, but no, back on to topic. Um. I choose safeties because they are what is the last line of defense. Um, now, when it, it's it's a big mental aspect of a game when you're like you're kind of like the last hope because um, if it breaks by, then you're the last person in position to go and try to fish a tackle or, or prevent a touchdown. And that's not always the case, but that's usually how it is. And that's a big mental aspect of, uh, to get behind is being the last line of defense against whatever could come your way. Cause at the end of the day, it's 11 on 11 and there's 10 guys in front of you. And if they all fail, then it's up to you. And it through a, it may not be exactly a, the best in terms of position, like 
as playing it, but like I think giving it that mental aspect makes it one of the top in this field. I do, I do like what you're saying too, because not, I mean, I, I, the main point I like that you brought up too was being the last line because there's a reason the safety is always the deep zone, but in some cases you can even have ball hawking safeties to where they specialize in jumping in and either finishing a play to force an incomplete pass or picking off a pass. Players like Minka Fitzpatrick come to mind, or you just have uh, hard hitting safeties that can come in and are known for tackling. And not much else. Jamal Adams comes to mind when it comes to that. Um, so there's different types, there's different archetypes of safeties, if you will. And I think that safety is a, is a very underrated position. And, you know, a lot of people want to equate their job to corners. And I think that, yes, they're both defensive backs. They're both in the secondary. It makes a lot of sense to compare them. But I think a safety does a lot more that goes unseen compared to corners because typically, and again, the difference is too. A corner, yeah, like Underwood said, you have your left corner, you have your slot corner, so on and so forth. The safety is really, and the middle linebacker, again, or just any linebacker is the one that's calling it plays, but the safety sees the entire field. They see everybody in front of them, and your job as a safety, you know you've done it incorrectly if someone gets behind you. Um, now, obviously, in some cases where you're playing man-to-man coverage, uh, there's a situation where you just have to trust that your corner has his man, but... In most cases, you know you are it, you are it. You were the last line. If somebody gets behind you, your team is in trouble. So I do like what you said. I do like that point a lot. Um, and again, safeties was a position I considered in my uh, option as well. I was going to add that I think as a uh, from a fan point of view, safety is definitely the most flamed position to me besides like quarterback because when a safety messes up, it is very obvious when he messes up. And most of the time it comes when your team is – up by either three points with two minutes left and your safety falls down. Um, happened many of times to some Steelers fans out here. Plague understands. Oh, a, a, a prime example, and Underwood will love this example, um, is the Minneapolis miracle. I mean, you go back and yeah. you look, you go back and you look at Minnesota, and it's one of those things to where it's it's a legendary play in NFL history. We all know we all know the call down the sideline. I'm going to say it before Underwood can digs down the sideline <laughs> touchdown. It's it, yeah, we we all know that play, and it's all the only reason that play is able to be made is because Marcus Williams comes in and tries to lay the boom, knock the ball out on Stephon Diggs, and he just he misplays the ball. And even though the crazy thing is Marcus Williams. His, it doesn't matter what he does. His entire career is going to be identified by that mistake, by that play. Marcus Williams is a very solid NFL safety. He is a very good free safety in the NFL. He's a, he's a good option for a lot of teams. But because of that one situation, that one mistake, of course, that's what he's going to be remembered for for the remainder of his career. So a perfect example right there. Underwood, I know um, you're about to say something as well. Yeah, yes, I, uh, yeah, that was a great day. I was, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me of that. Anytime we could think about that and the troubles that Saints fans have, I was actually very uh, much a fan of the uh, non-call on the non-pass interference. Fans. <laughs> um, but, anyways. Yeah, I actually, as a fan, I actually hate when the safety is involved with things because typically it's not good. Jeremy Chin's one of my or is my favorite defensive player on the Carolina Panthers, but most of the time when he's involved with something, it's because we've given up a ten yard run or a twenty yard pass 
Um, so I actually prefer when safeties don't have to do a whole lot. I mean, I love whenever he, you know, ball hawks over the middle and picks somebody off. Um, but as far as like leading the team in tackles and he did that the last two seasons. So um, I very much so prefer safeties not being involved as much as possible. And in some cases, yeah, I, I do agree, but it's like in some cases it's good. It, yeah. Exactly. Like you, you hope they're not involved, but it's nice to have that security. Like, and you bring up Jeremy Chin as a good example. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was he a fourth round pick or was he a different? Yeah. So, a fourth round pick guy who you don't expect the world out of, and yet he comes in and is a reliable tackler. Um, That's something to where, again, I think, and tackling is an underrated part of of safety's games, too, where, like I said, it's either all or nothing. Jamal Adams is known for not picking the ball, literally had a ball go directly off his face mask last year and just watched it go the entire way. Um, he can't catch, but he can hit people. He can tackle really, really well. <laughs> Jeremy Chen is an example of a player who can do both. It can do both sides of things very, very well. It's not so much a hyper-focus on one thing. He does things He does things really well. He's a very well, well-rounded player. But I, I, mean, I do agree at the same time, it's it actually can be a little bit of a security blanket for defensive players, in my mind, to know, hey, I can go all out. I can try to make this tackle because if I don't, I know the guy behind me is going to make the tackle as well. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I agree. Um, I mean, like with Buda Baker, things like that, too. you got safeties that play in the box a lot, like a Honey Badger. And then you've got safeties like um, Harrison Smith that just kind of roam in the back end, and then they're only involved like with the last line of defense. So. Um, I guess it really just depends on like the free safety if where just where are the safety plays because I mean some like I said line up more in the box and some are more ball hawking safeties over the middle so in my opinion it's it's definitely like kind of like what we said earlier where kind of like your leader on the defense is um, kind of more of a, a traditional linebacker position but I, I feel like like the shadow leader the one that's actually pulling the strings is is really just the safety. Good point as well. Like I said, like I stated earlier, they see the entire field, so I think that's a good point. Anybody else have the comments before we uh, move to Cam? Nope. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, Cam, I spun the wheel with you and Logan's name on it and landed on Logan again. So, unfortunately, I guess it's – but it, it's it, – it, You it ain't first still, or last, baby. <laughs> it's still going to be you. Um, go ahead and take it away finishing off the uh, most influential positions in football. So the position I'm choosing, I think, is one of the most underappreciated positions in football through all levels of football. And the position I'm choosing is going to actually be center because this is the person who is guaranteed to touch the ball every play. I think that center is definitely underappreciated just for the fact that he does a lot more than just snap the ball. Obviously he has to read out protection, has to read out defenses, has to obviously, you know, have a certain connection with your, like the quarterback because mistiming with centers and mistiming snaps can obviously ruin a game. Peyton Manning obviously understands this beginning of, I don't remember what Super Bowl off the top of my head, but the Super Bowl where snapped right over his head and Seattle goes on to blow them out. One of the worst Super Bowls also. But my choice for this is going to be center, just because I think that they're very underappreciated, and I think that most of the top protected teams, like in the last two seasons, have had great centers. Obviously, like the 49ers, the Browns, 
uh, are two teams that like run the ball very well, and they have great centers. And I just think it's a good correlation. Definitely, uh, that beginning is like the the center they have. Like you said, they have to have a connection with their quarterback, and that's something that you see a lot. Um, that's where a lot of mistakes come through when you first start out because you you kind of have to know like the different quirks that your uh, center has when you're trying to hike the ball from them. Um, that's where a lot of issues come from in the very beginning, and that's why you constantly practice reps of getting snaps from your guy because you need to know – you need to get that rhythm in place in order to be able to do it. And the center itself feels kind of like – it, it it's not always the leader of the line, but he he is the middle guy. Like when you wedge block, he's usually he's the middle guy. That's what he does. Um, usually a bigger uh, sort of lineman. Just and they're making a lot of calls too. Um, when they're coming up to the line, um, you see them kind of squatting over the ball. They're holding the ball. They're pointing around at everyone, and it, it takes a lot of uh, leadership to be able to be in a center position. And I want to go ahead and say real quick to add on to Logan's point because I mean, he's exactly right. We all have a little bit of experience when it comes to not only refing youth league games, but just being around youth league sports in general. And that, that is 100% correct. It's something that has to be so finely tuned and something that has to be worked on quite a bit. And you, we get a little – I don't want to say we get spoiled per se uh, by – NFL, because it, it does happen. I mean, a perfect example, like you said, Cam, Super Bowl 48 between the Broncos and the Seahawks starts out the game with a snap clear over Peyton Manning's head. And it's just one of those things where that does still happen. And to have a center that you can not only just expect to reliably snap the ball, but to avoid sacks, to open up the holes and, and lead the offensive line in order to open up the holes for the ball carrier, it's something that's paramount in, for, in football at all levels. And yeah, the the biggest problem I think that a lot of kids have in younger leagues is they have such a hard time just snapping the football. A lot of times, either the the center's off or the quarterback can't handle the ball, can't handle the snap. Um, that's one of the main things, one of the building blocks that you have to learn when it comes to uh, becoming a football player later on down the line. So I do like your argument a lot. Uh, center is is definitely one that is un very underappreciated in football just because the I feel like a lot of times the offensive line just gets grouped together as a whole, whereas each ha each position, each one has their own nuance, has their own techniques and different, uh, different jobs they have to run. So I do agree with that argument a lot. I will say, um, and this isn't to change the topic, but before, before we started this session, I did in my mind and verbally say that I figured, uh, Cameron was going to pick a, a left tackle position. And um, when he said, when he started talking about the most underappreciated position, I really thought that he was going to uh, prove my prediction correct. So, um, but I, I, I agree. I, I agree. A center position is um, often overlooked when it comes to important positions in football. I know you were about to talk. If you want to go ahead and give your piece. Yeah. Shout out to all the offensive line positions. Listen, as a Carolina Panther fan, I know about some bad offensive lines. All right. I'm an expert in bad offensive lines. Um, and, you know, after running with Matt Paradis, who we, when we 
picked him up, he was a top center, and then he got hurt, and then he was terrible. Uh, I understand the value of center. We just picked up Bradley Bozeman from the Ravens, so I'm very excited about that. Um, so, yeah, it just helps with checks. And a lot of times it's forgotten that, like, when Cam Newton was having his MVP season, Ryan Khalil, which that name may not mean a whole lot to anybody else, but he was a, a veteran center that had been there before. He played in the, the you know, many playoff games before then. And he actually made every check for Cam Newton, which isn't normal for a lot of centers. A lot of times the quarterback goes back and forth, but he actually checked every single thing for Cam so Cam could just focus on playing the quarterback position. Um, so it's very, I don't know, it, it, it's very underrated position. Um, I think that if the discussion was which one is the most underrated, that the offensive line would absolutely get it. I used to be mad when I was younger if we drafted an offensive lineman because that's a boring pick. You know, like you, we wanted a running back or a quarterback or somebody that was going to have their name called during the game. Um, but we picked up a Kwanu this past season, or this past draft, I should say, and that's the happiest I've ever been for a pick because I we need an offensive lineman. So like basically just shout out to the entire offensive line. They're very underrated. They are probably – the most underrated position in any sport at all. I can remember being back watching football. And again, I mentioned this name earlier when the chiefs drafted Eric Fisher, number one, I remember specifically thinking why in the world would they do that? Why would they not go get a receiver or because as a kid, you wonder why and we've all been to this phase. I, I try to think of someone like, let's say a Calvin Johnson's available and they don't go number one. You're like, why? Why doesn't Calvin Johnson go number one? Why doesn't uh, Michael Crabtree after the college career he had, why doesn't he go number one? It's like, well, because wide receivers are a lot more expendable. Um, and yeah. especially when you're talking about a guy like, like again, the, the center position. It's it's an unbelievably underrated position. Um, and the offensive line, and, I, and of course this team, I'm going to say, there are definitely other factors that influence this. I'm not going to say it's only this, but – one of the main reasons that you know, the, the Rams won the Super Bowl the past year was the quarterback play of Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford came in and played really, really well, particularly in the regular season. And it was one of those things where Stafford was already uh, was always an above-average quarterback in Detroit. And, you know, there were a lot of people who were debating whether or not he was a good quarterback because of uh, – yeah, he 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 was a, a losing record quarterback. But he comes to L.A., and we finally see – what we can get from Matthew Stafford when he doesn't have to be consistently running or playing with broken shoulders or whatever it was he was doing in Detroit. Uh, He comes through and he wins the Super Bowl in the first year. Again, L.A. from top to bottom, much, 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 much better team than Detroit. But the offensive line was a huge factor in that because, again, Matthew Stafford isn't always having to look over his shoulder. He can kind of like you were saying with Cam Newton, he can focus on the position. He can focus on the play a little bit more and not, can I stay healthy from by avoiding these hits? Anybody else with any other comments for Cam or Cam, any final arguments? Nothing from me. I'm good. I think we're ready to uh, kick someone off the island. <laughs> All right. So I, I thought you were going to do it again, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we are going to do is I'm going to have each of my three co-hosts send me their vote. We did this a little bit different. We're doing this a little bit differently than we were before because before we did it all. And, and, and I don't think, obviously, we didn't let those votes really influence anything. But this makes it a little bit better. I think it's one that we all have to. You know, we don't hear the reasonings. We don't. We, we each make our vote, and I'm going to spin this wheel. And, and whenever it lands on a name, I will reveal who they voted for, and then they will explain why they voted for who they did. So, 
go ahead and uh, Logan, Cam, and Underwood, you can go ahead and send me those votes. And we will go ahead and spin the first wheel. The first and it will, it will land, cast. it will land on myself. So uh, I go, I go first both times as it seems. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have to look into this and I, I think about these, t- these arguments that, w- that were provided. Logan obviously was a good one when it comes to safeties. And I think they are kind of an unsung thing because like Underwood said, a lot of times it's the same reason and unless they are in elite safety, it's the same reason, the same argument that I have with like MLB umpires. If you're hearing their name a lot, a lot of the time that means it's a bad thing. You know, if I'm hearing Jeremy Chin said a lot, if I'm hearing, um, if I'm hearing, let's say like a Minka Fitzpatrick, that means they're having to come up and make tackles. They're having to come up and make plays. And most of the time you want a safety to be your last line of defense. That doesn't mean it's not, it's, it's huge. It's a very influential position because it can translate to a lot of things. But if you're here, it's the same reason. If, if an, can anyone name me a good MLB umpire? Not really. But if I told you, uh, but I can name you Angel Hernandez. I can name you Joe West. I can name you Jim Joyce. There's a lot of players like that. Same reason, but the same thing with NBA refs. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. Joe West has a podcast. <laughs> and he's, and listen, let me tell you, Joe West, just going to look up <laughs> compilations on YouTube. I, that's all I'll have to say. Uh, uh, now, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, whenever I think of Joe West, I just I think of the um, the baseball, like when he was uh, as a first base umpire, and uh, it was a foul ball that went straight towards him, and it smacked him in the <laughs> chest. And uh, he just looks at the camera and just starts pounding his chest, like <laughs> like he didn't just get hit with a 115-mile-per-hour ball. They just got batted at him. So – that's Logan's argument. Underwoods, I do like as well. Yeah, it hits home, close to home too because you're talking about a defensive, uh, a defense that I hold close. Obviously, the Steelers they're they're anchored by T.J. Watt. And then I look at the division. You looked at Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns. You looked at Tr- Trey Hendrickson for the Cincinnati Bengals this past year. Um, I'm not even going to mention the Ra- the Ravens because uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to talk about the Ravens. Um, but a lot, like you said, a lot of times when you're looking at the best defenses in the league, it comes down to who has the best edge rushers. Um, and when you're talking about best defenders in the league, again, outside of outliers such as Aaron Donald, who we can all agree is just an unbelievable. I'm convinced he, he is not human. Um, <laughs> and you look at one point, Taylor Ramsey, people like that. It's mostly edge rushers. It's mostly the people of that category. Um, I do like that one as well. And then Cam. An unheralded, unsung hero of football. I do agree as well. I think that the center position, which is one of the main positions on the offensive line, I think that's one that doesn't get enough credit um, when you're talking about best positions is also most influential. With all that being said, I am going to go ahead and cast my vote for Underwood, just because for one again, it's one, it's the closest th- to the argument that I was provided. But two, like like Underwood said, I mean, I think that you have to take pressures into consideration. You have to take quarterback sacks into uh, consideration, and you have to take the mental aspect that it puts on not only the quarterback but on the entire offensive line. Because and the running back, yeah, you know, we we failed to mention the quarterback. Yes, it can throw off his timing, it can throw off his clock, and he makes bad decisions. But it can also force a running back if an edge rusher is containing, is setting the edge. Running backs can't bounce it outside. They are having to keep their eyes out on him as well, which leads to more opportunities uh, for other defenders to come in and make plays. So my vote goes to Underwood. 
Very, very close to decide, though, uh, between the, these three. Um, Camo will go ahead and say, I have not received your vote yet. I'm not sure if it's not sent through or anything like that, but... I, uh, I thought I'd send it through direct message. Collusion. Cam is colluding again. You're off the team. <laughs> Cameron, I, I, you, you sent it on a DM instead of a snap, or...? Oh, well, I guess I could do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I went ahead and sent it. He wanted to see what Blake's vote was first before he, <laughs> before he decided. Right, well, I went ahead and spun the wheel. Uh, Logan, it landed on yourself. And Logan's vote was for Underwood. Would you like to give your reason? So when it came down to it, I think there have been a lot of edge rushers in history, whether they were outside linebacker or whether they were a true defensive end, whatever it be, that um, setting the edge is a very a key spot all the way through um, sports. And there's been very dominant players in that position, and it has continued to be that way. So, And uh, you had said earlier that in high school you would give it to the running back, and that's true. Um what running back is usually your dominant guy in high school. But I remember when I was learning the defensive line in high school, that that edge rusher had a, a very strong responsibility um, in what was a, a run-dominant league at the time. Um, if they was going around the side, it was that edge rusher's responsibility to stop it. Um, and as it gets further and further up, I mean, it only gets hectic from there. I mean, a lot of the most feared defensive players in history were in that position, and its influence on the game has been insane. So that's why I, I'd have to give it to Underwood on this one. The two votes for Underwood right now. He's sitting in the driver's seat when it comes to voter totals, and I've spun the wheel. It landed on Cam. So Cam has sent his vote in. Landed and, on Cam twice, I would like to add. <laughs> uh, Cam will be, and I will reveal his vote now. It will be, we already have a champion for the week. It is Underwood. Uh, he is voted ooh. for as well. Cam, would you like to give your reasoning? Oh, I'd also like, I'd just like to start this off saying congratulations to Underwood for, uh, Getting the Dominant. sweep of all the votes is is that why you you messed uh, up the vote so, so that you could give the, this speech to Underwood? So I, so I will. I will. He I has. Proof. He did. He did provide me proof. It had not, or I had not received it. Is what oh, okay, it was. But okay. He had sent it. He did send me proof. Um, it, I just had not received it. So, but yes, he did vote for Underwood. So Underwood gets the clean sweep. Um, and under uh, Cam, continue your your speech. Uh, no, I just think it's a solid argument. I mean, obviously, Edge Rusher has a major role on the uh not just only the defense but on the football field as a whole but i think it's just an overall good argument i mean everyone obviously already has stated that it's it's just important i mean there's not much else to say it's obviously top three most impactful position in football but today it's the number one most impactful position in football so <laughs> so with that, Underwood has already, you know, we already know who uh, who has won this week, but I will go ahead and reveal Underwood's pick as well. It was for myself. It was for Blake. So, Underwood, if you would like to give your reasoning for that vote as well. 
Uh, yeah, like it was very close. I mean, everybody has. It's it's tough to pick a position, right? I mean, except for punters, they're not even people. But um, I mean, there's every position has their their pros and things that they do that contribute to the team's success. Um, but you brought up Luke Keekley, and I, I know that a lot of people. Carolina's a small market team, so they don't get all of the the hype. But think about Bobby Wagner, like the the actual level of football that these middle linebackers have played um, and have contributed to team success. I mean, Carolina goes fifteen and one, and Luke Kuechly is the one of the leading tacklers in the league. You have the Legion of Boom, and I mean, I know that Cam Chancellor and uh, Richard Sherman were important, right? But they're not the Legion of Boom without Bobby Wagner and everybody in the middle. Um, so I just had to pick out of the the positions of you know center and safety or linebacker, which one I thought that was most important for me. And I just would take a linebacker. If I was drafting and you could say I could have the top linebacker, the top safety or the the top center, I would take the top middle linebacker. Linebacker, of course, again, just do a lot of dirty work as well. That doesn't necessarily get as much praise as some other positions. So the final results is three votes for Underwood, one for myself. That means Underwood will be choosing the topic for next week's episode as well. Um, So be sure to keep an eye out for that. But that's going to do it here for Taking Heat. Once again, if you like what you heard, like the video, hit the subscribe button, comment down below if you'd like to see us anywhere else, or if you'd like to see us do something that you, if you'd like to see any specific topics, or if you'd like to even uh, co-host on the show, guest star on the show, we'd be happy to have somebody. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, edge rusher, the most influential position in football today. according to our votes so any last remarks from anybody before we sign off for from episode four um no good one this is another good one i enjoyed this it was good to talk about football like i said training camp coming up exciting times football for sure somewhat our favorite one of our favorite times of the year when it starts to get to nfl kickoff season ham logan i feel like episode five that's that's where that's where everything starts to kind of come together you know that's when like we're we're four we're four cogs in this big machine that we call taking heat and i feel like episode five i feel like that's like the ignition starting you know what i mean i have a feeling and i'll do my best as well like i said to try to get that on some other platforms as well and hopefully upload all five at once so um again a lot of things going on here lately but if you want to see us on spotify apple music soundcloud anything like that let me know down in the comments. Cam, any last remarks? Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> well, that is going nobody, to do nobody it. Nobody else, though. Just San Diego. <laughs> that is going to do it for episode four of Taking Heat. Uh, again, if you have any suggestions or anything like that, let me know down in the comments, and I will be sure to relay that to the rest of the team. Underwood will be picking the topic for next week, so be sure to tune in and catch what we will be arguing or talking about next week on Taking Heat. And as always... Like the video, subscribe, all the self-promo stuff. And I hope y'all have a great week, as this is it from Taking Heat. Y'all have a great week.